today we are breaking down adult parenting, which is like, I am no expert at, at all. I just have the example that was set for me. And by taking that example, and I made some changes to it, um, according to what I was experiencing and, and what I was getting back from my children. And, you know, we don't know. We don't know if we're ever right. We just don't know. Uh, and I think that's the fun, everlasting challenge. But some of the things I feel like I'm doing are maybe right. And I'm getting some indications of right. And I know for me, they feel better than what I was doing before. And that's what's most important. Like before pre-pod, right? Kind of BC era. Um, I was just rushing through, constantly yelling at my kids, constantly needing them to be on my timeline, needing them to hurry up and abide by what I needed because I needed to prove myself and I needed to be this person. And, you know, I think pre-pod was just, and and not even pre-pod, even into the pod was very ego-based. Like, these are my needs and you have to kind of project and, and be the result of meeting those needs. You need to be this perfect person and they're not, they're just tiny little undeveloped souls and they need love and and care and compassion and patience. And I didn't have the time to give them that. And luckily my husband and I worked together to, to kind of reconstruct what that would look like and to fix and figure out like what was broken in me that made me kind of a victim of my own ego. Ooh. Okay. Mm, Let's go. Hey, you're on this journey on this season five vibe and everything season five, as I'm forecasting what it will look like is all about settling into the being, the knowing, transitioning from believing to knowing and fine tune correcting what that looks like and just living. And we started out this show, you know, really thinking that this was going to happen overnight. And one of my greatest accomplishments of all of this will be just continuing on and showing an example, a real life example of what it looks like to turn your life around. And so if you're just happening upon this show in season five, you should know there are four other seasons that have followed me on this journey this journey of turning my life around, this journey of finally getting to this place where I wasn't angry and spiteful and hateful and ego-driven. It really follows all of that. So you can go back to the start. What I will caution you is that it is unedited and pure and raw. And I was still very much in that ego hate phase of my life and it's all lived out loud and this whole journey has been lived out loud in truth so you will hear me venturing into businesses that if you follow the link that i am promising you will be there you will end up lost 
you are not going to get there. Just know that. Um, but it's, it's all about that journey. It was real. It was real right then. That business I was developing, that program, that course, that whatever, it was real. And this is all real. This is me living my life out loud so we can all do our dreams. Hey y'all, welcome to the Death of a Dream podcast, where we do dreams. And I'm your host, Hannah Nuss, and we are doing dreams. That's what we're doing. And yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff. I am not about to lie to you. <clears throat> okay, so my... My great thing today, because we're doing this greatest grounding thing, because that's what we do, and what's going on, and I just got totally distracted because I have a Beauty and the Beast Blu-ray disc, and it looked like there was a, something holding up Belle's dress, and there isn't, and so we should just ignore that thought, and why would we even think that, and that's her arm, and she has on, and it's like the reflection in her arm, and it kind of looks like something blue that's like holding up the structure, and it's not, it's just, it's just a dress with a reflection and her arm, and so there is enough thing holding up the dress, and now we know, and now you know, and don't worry, it's just her dress and her arm, and okay, so <laughs> I, my great thing from yesterday is, you know, how you're just like, if you're a parent or if you're thinking about becoming a parent or if you ever think about parenting and, you know, I was a really good parent before I had kids and you're always wondering, like, am I doing the right thing? You're always kind of like testing. Okay. Are my kids good kids? Are they nice? Are they, Ooh, I don't know if they showed up the way they were supposed to. I don't know. And you're really not basing it off of anything because there's no actual truth. There's no way to know. There's no win. There's no winning here. Right. And so yesterday my, um, oldest child had a shark tank pitch competition. One that of course we went all extra on and, you know, she requested that they get shirts made for the presentation. So it was like, they were a real company pitching the shirts, just like the real ones do. And I was like, okay. I mean, if we got the shirts, that's, I think we do it. We make the shirts, we make it happen. And so you know, the pitch went awesome because they had an awesome idea. They created a really great concept and, and they invented, like they even had to make the prototype and, and pres presentate as my <laughs> oldest would say. They had to presentate, which is actually present, whatever. Um, and they had to presentate that. And so, yeah, it went awesome. The kids love their shirts. They actually requested shirts like your mom makes at local. Which like, okay, okay, are you guys trying to make me feel cool? <laughs> All right, let's do that. So we designed some shirts with their logo or with what would be their logo. And yeah, it was super cool. And so here's what happened after. And I was like, oh man. This is how you know, right? This is how you know. So my daughter was like, hey, 
Yeah, another group wanted shirts designed by you. And I was like, oh, well, you should have let me know. I could have done it. And she was like, no, it's okay. So then I thought, oh my gosh, yes, this kid is super competitive. And she did not tell me because she did not want that group to win, to have that advantage, to have the shirts. She wanted to be the only group with the shirts. And a little bit, I'm like, oh, okay, because I'm constantly going back and forth in my head. Like, is being uber competitive, which is something that was always kind of riled up in me and pushed in my narrative, in my perspective, like everyone being like, that's good, you're a girl and you're super competitive. You need to keep that. You need to do more of that. Like there just aren't very many of you. That's a good thing. And so people kind of pushed me to that hyper space of hyper competition. And it Yes, made me a fierce competitor, but also made me super, super insecure, right? Because I thought the only way for me to win was for them to lose. And them losing looked like me deconstructing all of their strengths instead of recognizing what their strengths were and finding a way to build mine to counteract that. Right. I was always focused on them and the destruction of them. So a part of me is like, oh my gosh, she's competitive. Yes, let's go. Yes, this is how we win at life, right? We compete. And so I was like, oh, really? Wow. I would not have expected that from you. <clears throat> And then she goes on to say, I like went and told her dad, like, whoa, she like really is cutthroat. I mean, she was pretty serious about this thing. And then we came into the dining room and she was still sitting there from supper. <laughs> and she goes, well, mom, the truth is they, I had two teams to pick from and they did not want me on their team early on because she had like missed the time when they were picking teams. She wasn't there. So she had to be adopted by a team. And so she's like, so I had two teams to pick from and they didn't want me on their team. And so this group that I was on, they had plenty of members on their team and they still let me be a part of their team. They wanted me on their team. And so then when I told my team that my mom could make us shirts, this other team heard that or found out. And then the one that didn't want me on their team. And then they asked me if my mom could make them shirts. And I remembered that they did not pick me and that that could have been something that their team had because I was on their team, but it is not something that their team got because they chose not to choose me. And that's why I didn't tell you. And I was like, <sighs> a couple things. One, what a great like boundary and self-realization to have that 
like there are benefits to having me on your team. And if you choose not to choose me, you do not get access to those benefits. If you are not nice to me, I do not have to extend niceness to you. And most parents would be like, we should always be nice and inclusive. And your mom could have made them the shirts. But I was like, good, set that boundary. If people are mean to you and you've been nothing but nice, like, hey, I want to join your team and I want to help you bring your idea to life. And they're like, no, we don't want you. And they don't see your gifts. Then good. One thing. Good. Don't force yourself on them, right? She didn't jump into that rejection. She jumped into a group that wanted and was willing to accept her. Amazing. Amazing. And then two, like for real, if you didn't pick me and you were mean, I'm not, I'm not being nice. Not outwardly nice, right? Like I don't think she was rude about it. She was just like, oh, I'm, I'm, my mom couldn't make the shirt. Sorry. And I don't know. And maybe, maybe she's a bully goat. You know, I had a parent this weekend, like, message me, your daughter is the sweetest kid ever. And I'm like, well, thank you for that. Because there definitely is a basketball team that thinks the exact opposite. So I guess maybe that puts us back to even now. (laughs) But that's just the reality. You know, as I'm judging the situation, I can't be like, hey, man, you should really be kind to everyone. No, like you should not be kind to people who did not show you kindness. And I was proud of the boundary that she set there. And then I'm just going to throw out this third thing. And this really is the great thing. Like my skills are being leveraged as an asset for my children. Like, is there a better flex? I don't know. You know, and and we're going to get into this. And I totally had something else down. And I'm going to write it down because, you know, otherwise I'll forget. But um, that is the greatest thing. Like, such an unexpected benefactor of making this move to like contribute to the world right outside of my door to have people aware of who I am and what I do and therefore people and children aware of who my kids are and what they have access to right and I don't know it's just pretty freaking epic like hmm I won't call myself a cool mom early, but uh, discussions are being had, you know, and that's pretty cool. Like, that's really freaking cool. (laughs) Definitely a huge dork. Like, oh my gosh, fourth graders wanted me to make some shirts and then they thought they were cool. And I definitely was like feeling insecure, like, what did your team think? Did they like the shirt? Did they like the shirts? They liked them, right? Like, oh my gosh, did they like, do we need to remake them? Did they hate them? Were they the right colors? Did they like the design? (laughs) And they did. So, uh, that's my great thing. (laughs) You know, my kid was, she set boundaries 
she had expectations of how she should be treated. And there was a result of the mistreatment. And that was her protecting her boundary and not giving people access to her. And I think that's all we can wish for our children, that they know what is acceptable treatment and behavior and that they set boundary accordingly. And obviously there are times where we had to set the example of that. Like when we chose what um, clubs they would be a part of, when we choose what family events we are a part of when we draw our own boundaries to set an example. And so I was proud of that. I was at first like, whoa, they're competitive. And that's exactly where my brain went. And then I went to this realization that it wasn't about competition at all. It was about setting a boundary of expectation of treatment. And that's way better and way more important than competing to win. So that's my great thing. Go ahead and take time for yourself. Recognize yourself for your greatness. So last night I was talking to my daughter because we actually talk like a lot and it's pretty cool. (laughs) And I don't know, you know, like, yes, she's 10. and (laughs) We shouldn't be talking that much. I don't know. Maybe I should have more friends, but we're talking just about the day and we had just gotten home from volleyball practice and I enjoy coaching her team. It's so much fun. And we're talking and I said, you know, moms, and I found this interesting because I heard this on a podcast. (coughs) Moms create a bond with their children through physical touch. So, so that's how they bond. They hug, they touch, they cuddle, they do those things. That's how you intensify and increase that bond. And dads create a bond through play. And I think, you know, like everybody's like, oh, kids just want to play with their dads. Moms don't have time to be fun. Like I find it interesting that that's Naturally, this is how we release endorphins for one another. Like kids with dads in play, kids with mom and cuddling and touch and hugs. And so it's like, that's okay. I don't need to be the play person. I just don't. I can be, but he's way better at it. And so that's cool. So we're talking about that a little bit. And then you know, as you usually do, you get into a conversation about your own parents and and how you grew up. And I'm kind of like breaking down my thoughts on this. I don't remember having a super physical relationship with my mom, like in forms of hugs and whatnot. And so we're kind of thinking about that. And I said, well, I think you know, my mom was just super busy. She had a lot of jobs. She was always doing a lot of things. So she was busy, 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 always busy. And I I can attest to that. I can say the same things. Like I am very busy. Um, But I think one of the big things that we changed, because as I wrote in my first book about busyness and the need to stay busy, stay important, stay relevant, Um, I can feel myself like, yes, staying relevant to 
a lot of people, um, but slowly slipping away from the life that was most important to me. And that was the one that was with my family and with my children and, and sort of the, the core life that we're building. I, when I was climbing up in that world, I was actively like declining and falling out of the world that I was living in day to day, like, and the, the most important one. And so to rebalance that, I kind of pulled myself completely out of that world. The one that was tapping me out of what was my most important reality, which was my family. And, you know, in order to rebalance that, because I couldn't stay in the tapped out world forever. And it felt great to like, really just take intentional time to rebuild those relationships to, to try to recover from lost time. And so after having enough of that time, it was like, okay, if you could build this back better, how would you do it? And what is important? And I realized that what is most important is the world right outside my door. Like, how can I impact my kids' lives? How can I impact our family's life, our community? Like, this is where our root and our core are. And what am I doing to make that better with the skill set that I have? And that was really where that, that flip came in because it was like no longer were all of my world sort of living in these silos, right? Like no longer did I have to speed up and run out the door so I could get to work on time. Like now I could kind of structure my own day. And while there's still speed up and get to things on time and trust every single day, I'm like, whoa, we sat a little bit too long. It's time to get to work and we're barely going to get there. And I'll be like running in with my keys. Like I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Don't leave. I'm right here. So sorry. Uh, please anyone open my store. Anyone, anyone but me, just open it, just open it on time, the same time, every single day. You could do it. I cannot. This is what I know. Um, <laughs> but uh, help me, Lord, help me. But, you know, more than anything, being able to exist in my truth in all spaces, like where my kids could come first, where my kids were a part of this, you know, and what we're building and they were an essential part of the mission and our family played a role in that, right? They played such a vital role in all of that. They really did. And because they did that, because they were able to do that, I think it re-strengthened our bond, right? And it made that relationship and that ability to keep building on that easier. Now, I won't say that it's perfect. I will say that we are still going to struggle with the same things that every single family struggles with <laughs> when it comes to having teenage daughters, which we will soon have. Um, but 
we've actually been able to slow down to, to build those things back at the very core of their existence. Like, this is where the core is. This is where it happens. This is where traditions exist. This is the time to slow down and get it right. This is the time. And, you know, I think, yeah, and on one hand, people would go, oh, yeah, well, you're so blessed to be able to do that. Not everybody can do that. But I don't know, 10 years ago, we were sitting there going, yeah, it must be nice. Everyone can just do that. And then we said, well, we're either fixing it or we're not doing anything. And so I said, well, we're fixing it. And that was when we really decided to take our take financial control of our lives and stop just handing over all of our extra money to things and restructure. And when you're not living a life based on things and things that you physically own, and when that's not the most important thing, because where you spend your money shows you what's important to you. And so when we restructured that, like our spending habits, that's really when a lot of things changed. And it took a while to dig ourselves out of the hole that we were in, somewhere around 36 open debt accounts when we started. And so that was like a eight to 10 year process digging ourselves out, which then gave us the freedom to restructure things. And the reason that my mom or my dad, that they weren't there wasn't because they didn't want to be. It was because they had like worked themselves into this hole that didn't allow for any freedom. Everything was so tight that any collapse in the system, in this like grind system, meant complete downfall. And, and we had that happen. I remember people coming in and, and taking our things when we defaulted on some things. I remember that. You know, I remember the drive to my grandma's house to go ask grandma if she would give us the money to get our stuff back. Like, I remember that. And I remember that so well that I didn't want to see my kids live through the same things. And, you know, once we got ourselves in a better position where we could actually do something about the, the busyness that was really owning our lives, that was when we made a move and it made our life more stressful and it didn't feel better ever really in that time. It didn't feel like it was going to get better. It felt like it was getting actively worse. <laughs> um, but what my family knew, you know, what my husband would confirm, what my children would confirm was that this was a better mom. This was a better wife. This was a better life. And we didn't know where we would go, but we knew that we needed to continue to protect that freedom. And I think the result of that is now, you know, my 10-year-old, 
oh no, this weekend. It wasn't like we were, they had a basketball tournament and we were sort of all just sitting at this table out in the cafeteria. And, you know, there's this, they're at this weird age where parents aren't cool anymore and parents really revolved around their whole life. Um, and so to be kind of rejecting them, not cool. So I ended up just like following like a little puppy dog following my 10 year old. And so we're sitting at the cafeteria at the table and then they all decide, Hey, we're, yeah, let's go in and watch these, the, the older girls, let's go in and watch their game. So they're all getting up and getting ready to leave. And I'm like, gosh, I'm going to have to go sit in a corner by myself because I'll Okay, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Maybe someone will talk to me. I don't know. It's fine. Um, I'll just go sit in a corner. And then they're all running off. And then my 10-year-old turns around. She's like, Mom, come sit with us. Oh, like, uh, <laughs> did everyone just hear that? I just, <laughs> right? But that is because... Well, I don't know. I don't know if just guilt of feeling left out overcame my daughter or what it was. But I think, and this is my hypothesis of what happened, is either she felt super guilty to see me sitting alone there or this one. And I'm going to lean this way. I am active in her life, in her world. And I feel so very blessed to be able to, to be that, to come home and, you know, to talk to her friends when they're on what my husband calls a tri-call, because three of them are always on the phone together. Tri-call, which I'm certain is not what cool people call that these days. I think it's just called a FaceTime. He's like, well, she doesn't have FaceTime because we don't have iPhones. So he's like, so in that instance, it could not be called a, a FaceTime because we do not have FaceTime. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just like the speed limit, man. It doesn't have to be called. It can be called that even if it is not that. It's not, it's not, it's okay. So it's a try call, which is just absurd, which makes him extremely good at what he does. Um, but I'm like, okay, okay. So they're on the try call, right? And we'll pop in on the try call and we'll say hi to their friends and we know their names and we know some of their parents and we, we know them and we get to go to their games and my parents didn't get to go to my games. They didn't get to get to know my friends. They were way too busy for that. And, you know, for me, that is of utmost importance. I want to be that house. I want to be that hangout place. I want to be, you know, and all parents say that, but like, I don't just want to be, I want to be the person that's there for them, that knows them, that helps with things, you know, that, that they want to call when, because we're going to know what to do and we're going to help them figure it out. Like that's the parent that I want to be. And I think you can only become that by, being able to slow down and not rush through emotions. And yes, we've been very blessed in this life to be able to do that. And, um, but blessed and hard work, 
this was like, get over it. We were in the same boat as many other people, you know, somewhere right around lower middle class. Yay. Uh, two kids in a house in a rural community, you know, and we're just going, how do you get out of this? How do you, how do you not spend all of your time working yourself to death, completely ignoring the fact that you're trying to build a family and a life? How do you not do that with all of your time and effort? How do you have time to do all the things without someone just completely one person working themselves to death or, you know, to give one person the freedom to do all of that or both of you kind of giving it your all to provide a better life that you can't actually attend. You know, like my parents were providing a better life and the result of that was they didn't get to be in that life very often. Like, great, you know, we got to work 12 jobs so we can put you in club sports. We can't watch you in those club sports, right? And they made some things happen. They definitely did. They came to some of my tournaments. They, they made more happen than they probably should have been able to. But, you know, I think my biggest thing, my biggest accomplishment in this life is being able to slow down enough to handwrite Christmas cards every year. You know, and I think in the handwriting, like that's when I slow down and I really think about who those people are and why they're getting a card and how much did I talk to them this year? And, and am I being the best person that I can for this person? Like, I don't know. And I have those reflections and, you know, sitting down and doing that work is slowing down. And then, slowing down enough to be able to be there for my kids to know their best friends names to know the stories they tell to know the things they like and love so I can remind them should they ever get lost because I know I have that memory bank I didn't run through it all so fast that I forgot as always you're smart you're strong you're beautiful what are you gonna do change the world I've enjoyed spending time with you and I cannot thank you enough for making what I do possible. If you want to continue to support the show and therefore continue the development of everything that we're doing here with the death of a dream and the development of local and all of the platforms that allow dreamers to do, you can go ahead and connect with us on socials at local shop space and connect with me on socials at Hannah Nuss. And I would love to see you there. Go ahead and check out all of our websites and everything that we do here. I would love you to do all of that, to like, share, and and comment on everything that we're doing. But bottom line, I, I just want you to do your dreams. And as long as you're going after the things that set your heart on fire, that's all that really matters. Change the world.